Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Ephrata Community Church Weekly Podcast, a conversation with our pastors and leaders meant to continue encouraging you to know God, know freedom, know purpose, and make a difference. Hey, Ephrata Community Church. It's great to be with you at our weekly podcast. I'm thrilled to have Dr. Barry Whistler here today, founding pastor of Ephrata Community Church and also the president of HarvestNet International. I'm Jim Merman, as many of you know. Happy to be one of the pastors here at Ephrata Community Church. Barry just shared in the midst of our Let It Rain, our series on the kingdom of God. Uh, Barry just shared a great lesson with us. So I just want to just want to pause and just say thanks, first of all. But specifically, man, this is now, I've had the privilege of traveling with you a little bit lately or attending some things you're at, and you've been carrying this message about uh, re-radicalized by spirit and word. Like, where did it come from? What started in you? Well, it's been there quite a while. I mean, I've been charismatic in that movement since I was 17, but I also saw excesses. In fact, I backed away from um, a lot of things charismatic for a season and just threw myself into studying theology because I felt like the evangelicals had some things that I needed and wanted. Mm. But of course, I always wanted to put the two together. This message actually developed more recently when I started um, connecting the dots between uh, the Jesus, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. but seeing churches that were uh, faithful to scriptures, doctrinally sound, and open to the voice of the Spirit, and followed the Holy Spirit, that's been a passion for a couple of decades. Yeah, yeah, I want. I always appreciate it. You know, I'm a huge fan of the streams of the church. Matter of fact, right. Let me just throw out a little commercial. This fall in the Institute for Christian. Mm-hmm learning I'm going to be teaching um, on the streams of the church and nine ways of hearing God's voice that those different mm-hmm. six streams have. But all that to say, uh, I too grew up as an evangelical. I mean, I had a heavy emphasis on the word or, mm-hmm. um, and, and just uh, wasn't until my early 20s where I encountered the charismatic stream of the church. And I just want to say like the incredible complementary relationship that mm-hmm. those two are capable of having. Yeah. Um, when they are in proper tension. You know, I oftentimes use this image of a proper tension, not a balance. I mean, I think balance is a static state, almost a state yeah. of non-movement. Mediocre. Tension is like we have a north and a south pole, and you should probably never try to live at either one of them, <laughs> or you got to wear layers, right? Sure. It's not a healthy living. But, man, they are put there to create a healthy yeah. environment in between them. True. And I've it's always felt that way about the Word and the Spirit. I mean, and, and, you know, even to take that metaphor further, if you try to live at one of the poles, either complete spirit or complete um, yeah. the Holy Scriptures as um, what we battle for here, or it is who God is in our midst in a sense, it gets pretty awkward, man. And yeah. I oftentimes say that the tension on the plant on earth gives us, the tension between those two magnetic poles gives us an axis, which gives us an a rotation which gives us an orbit which makes us a healthy planet i like that and it's just something that i believe that it's something you've carried so well that tension between the word and the spirit and uh but i will also say this though when i think of like the social justice stream of the church i've noticed mm-hmm. sometimes that um it too puts emphasis on the life of jesus but the posture of jesus not necessarily his proclamations i've just noticed mm-hmm. that it's easy for the different streams to pick out something they really have appreciated right. sure. about uh, the, the gospel and jump on it. And, um, and so I just want to say, man, you've stewarded it well, and I think the message 
was right on. Um, I particularly appreciated uh, your reminder that the Spirit is a person and able to you are able to speak to and have a relationship with the spirit man that doesn't come natural for so many in this area well no and i again i i really benefited by studying theology and i've seen people that were theologically trained or loved the bible receive the fullness of the holy spirit and that combination was amazing and i've seen i know uh, friends that were charismatic um but then began to study scriptures more, and that's just a good combination. I love what you did yesterday. It was a call to like near-level intimacy yeah. with um, yeah, it was. Uh, not just the Spirit as a phenomena, which is where it often lands, right? It's the Spirit as a person. Yeah, so I would have had some, you know, the read books and had classes on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, but it wasn't until I start reading Evan Roberts' sermons during the Welsh Revival, he would start every meeting personalizing the Holy Spirit. That was just his method. He was 19 years old. But for those that attended, it was uh, probably a new idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, took, took the Holy Spirit off the page and brought him into the, the room as a person and as God. Mm-hmm. So I found that helpful when I teach on the baptism of the Holy Spirit also. Yeah. You know, I recently had an experience like that that I, I'm, I'm as you were saying it, it brought it to mind. I had the privilege of speaking at Rollinsville Camp Meeting, which is this yeah, conservative United that. Methodist camp in southern Lancaster County. Just wonderful group of people. Just shout out, should any of them stumble across these podcasts. Um, but I decided to do something different. I, I've been there 15 years. Mm-hmm. In other words, mm-hmm. eight years out of the 15. Uh, I take a year off every once in a while because um, it's a marathon of preaching, eight nights and... Yeah. Just like, well, I need to come up with eight original climactic messages, all that to see. Take some time off. But anyway, this year, you know what I decided to do? I observed um, people getting saved around Effort of Community Church for this last year. Mm-hmm. Um, some people may or may not know that what we were up to as uh, some of us on staff, that we began to think that if the Lord releases words of knowledge unto healing, etc., would he not also release them unto salvation, right? Um, and so we began Especially. to pray... Oh, Lord, would you show us the hiding places or the, when I say hiding, like the places people go to mm-hmm. and give us a very specific word. And sure enough, I was able to do speak on seven that I observed this year where we were able to speak out of the word of knowledge around where someone was at or they're in their reflections about saying yes to Jesus. And, you know, seven out of seven responded. Matter of wow. fact, two of them. We had more than one person respond. This was at Rollinsville. No, no. Oh, here. This was this was around ECC okay. Lifeway. Right. Couple sure. couple yeah. communities around here. Equipping night. Excuse me. Um, Gateway night. Yeah. Um, now I preached on all seven of them at Rollinsville. I'm like, hmm. hey, here's what the Holy Spirit did, and I said, and by the way, I was involved in some of these hearing the Holy Spirit. This is how He spoke. Right. So I decided to unpack. Hey. Whether you fully can receive it or not, I want to tell you a little bit about what we saw the Holy Spirit doing in Very our good. midst. And it brought alive this intimacy of the Holy Spirit wanting to speak to us right. about people around us that he yeah. is trying to reach and welcoming us into that process. And what I heard back from people from after speaking at Rollinsville, sorry, that's where I was driving to a long way around, was just bringing the Holy Spirit into that level of active communication mm-hmm. around something. Yeah. And and it's like people almost are like, why don't I think he does this? Like, what about us, um, what do you think about us starts to remove the spirit a step or two? What is it in our beings? Is it because he's like a crazy uncle or something at the dinner table and you're not mm-hmm. sure what he's going to say? 
Uh, there's yeah. got to be reasons, and I like to think these are obstacles we have to clear for people. Yeah, I think um, I think since the Reformation, the word has had such a prominent and rightfully so part of the church that I think we've neglected this more subjective part of relationship and listening. I mean, I love teaching people about the prophetic because charismatics have usually assumed that the prophetic was prophesying to the church or mm -hmm. hearing prophecies, personal prophecies. But I think it's, it's more about learning to listen and hear. And mm -hmm. Jesus was a man with perfect hearing. I think he did all his his miracles and his work, like with people like the woman at the well, there's a word of knowledge, gift working there, and he was listening to the Father, mm -hmm. and that's how he impacted people. If we could do that, I think we'd see a lot more salvations and a lot more people encouraged and helped. Yeah. By asserting the word, that's uh, the rhema word, a spoken right. prophetic word, but it's still a word. Yeah, I know. There's a phrase I've heard used recently for this is power evangelism, trusting that yeah. in the actual declaring of the good news, the Lord is willing to show up in some of these unique right. and powerful ways. That's John Wimber's, I think that was his phrase. He has was a book it? entitled that, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's good. You know, I will have to say this too, that as we are continue to explore the Holy Spirit, I've been doing a little bit of reading personally, just trying to keep myself fresh and aware, particularly as the Harvest Net School ministry comes up, when you have a chance to steward these lives that are being yeah. very serious about reflecting on the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's work around gifts, etc., I'm just like, you know what, Jim, just keep growing, keep thinking through this. And so I've been reading some works lately, and, I, and I've come across this one particular work that was suggesting that the very core of Jesus' presentation of the kingdom was an invitation to learn how to walk in the Holy Spirit. You know, it was, it was a whole yeah, other level. Like even that. above salvation, meaning salvation was something that, that of course he was welcoming you into because of the broken and depraved world. Mm -hmm. But he was re-inviting you into the invitation yeah. to be in a closer authority relationship right. through the Holy Spirit. Like remembering yeah. your need for salvation, but also pulling into authority. And it was, it was a very assertive case. And I have to tell you, like Jesus, the more I've begun to read... Um, in other words, what I do when I'm reading like that is then I then go and reread the Gospels on it, and I'm like, mm -hmm. man, you start to see his constant invitation mm -hmm. to encounter the Holy Spirit, much less than the promises of it. And I think it was John. I think it was actually central to why he came. Uh, and if you see salvation as a restoration of the relationship right. that Adam and Eve That's had right. with God, so That's he's interested in that. And if you look at the verses, the prophetic uh, verses, I'm thinking of Isaiah. It's at 59, 21, uh, but the, the, about the new covenant, they all include um, God putting his words in our mouth. Mm -hmm. And um, there's, a there's a prophetic uh, thing there that's, I think, more central to the new covenant than what we've allowed it to be in the past you know, couple hundred years. Yeah, no, I agree. And, you know, I, I, I know that we don't want to overly nerd out on this, but I do. <laughs> I am I'm very aware that the Reformation was a great gift to us, but also as any time a counterbalancing movement takes place, yeah. it can actually swing that counterbalance right. as well. And so I do really appreciate the Reformers' emphasis on, you know, messages out of God's Word as right. the most objective way to keep the subjectivity they were concerned about in the Catholic Church at the time. Right. Getting back to the preaching of the Word. Matter of fact, we joke about this sometimes that Martin Luther even switched the architecture of the church by putting the pulpit in the center, right? Whereas in most liturgical churches, you'll find 
the pulpit, an altar at the end, or yeah. at the sides, right, yeah, and then right. the communion table at the center. But right. to guard against the manipulation that's taking place, he centers the word, yeah. right. And so I love the fact that we can sit and honor that, but then also ask the questions that whenever you're doing a response-based or a protest-based movement, right. you t which is Protestants are right, mm -hmm. it's in our name. Uh, you can easily swing to, hey man. Uh, I, I love the little fun little thing you slid in on Sunday, like the Trinity is not the Father, Son, and Holy Scriptures. Mm -hmm. um, it is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit's ability to utilize the Scriptures as yeah. a tool in our lives. Um, and I, I, so I do, hats off to the Reformation, but also quite rare that mm -hmm. we and our sometimes our own desires for safety, control, and uh, the known, we can, we can actually create our own little prison. and. Yep. And justify it because who's not going to say that the preaching of the word is is not one of the most powerful things that happens in the New Testament, right? Yeah, well, they they had to deal with things that were happening in the the Catholic Church at the time. But you know, from my perspective, even the charismatic movement, as much as I love it, had excesses. So that's where evangelical theology helped me. I used to do exegetical preaching through the book of Romans, the book of Ephesians, yeah. to try to ground the church in scriptures in addition to the emphasis on the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So in an audience like Sunday with as many people that were there, there are some that come from very charismatic leaning churches and some that would come from very word leaning churches. Mm -hmm. And I was basically trying to affirm both, but also encourage them to not neglect the other. Absolutely, yeah. And here's the beauty of this is we simply have to awaken people's imagination. The Holy Spirit mm -hmm. can handle this task, right? Oh, yeah. That's he right. leads us into truth. What we're trying to do, I believe, sometimes as ministers of the gospel is to actually clear the stones out mm -hmm. of the field right. that make the setting of the plow a little bit better um, when it mm -hmm. comes to what the Spirit's trying to do. I think official word is supplanters, those who uproot so that new can actually mm -hmm. take root. Um, and you did, it was a really great job, and I hope you continue to carry that message. And I know you will, but I hope you continue to get more and more creative ways um, to be able to carry it out. That's oh, right on. Thank you. So where are you off to, HarvestNet? Give us an update on HarvestNet International. What are you up to this fall? Um, I leave next week, Steve and Cheryl and I, and there's actually seven of us that leave for Croatia mm -hmm. for a weekend, then um, Albania and Kosovo. Yeah, what are you going to be doing in those spots? Um, we'll do a weekend of meetings at our church in Zagreb, the first weekend, and then we have all our partners together for a partner day in um, in Tirana, Albania. Mm -hmm. We can't. There's, I think, there's ten or eleven now, and they've all sort of joined independently. So we're going to try to meet with all of them and get connect them together for a day, mm -hmm. and then we'll go to Kosovo, two days overnight to visit a pastor and pay. A, um, a little more difficult place to work for That's the right. gospel. Then we'll be back. Steve and some of the team will go down to Fier where Vaso's uh, been baptizing Muslim converts and yeah. discipling them. That's right. And I'll go to, to Fier with Walter, um, important church for us in Albania. I want to spend a weekend with him. That's wonderful. I think you mentioned there Vaso's work among the Muslims and seeing them come to the Lord. And then they're great wrestling over the doctrine of the Trinity, you know. Are you really yeah. worshiping three gods or one god? It's a classic Muslim question. That's what they're taught. And That's then right. they, they conclude that when you start talking about... Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, exactly. right? Yeah. Right. So just so you know, I have to tell you this, and I'm not committing here, so no one hold me to this, but 
one of my beliefs this fall is to have the time to pull together four to six hours of teaching on the Trinity. I know some of the Excellent. best people. I mean, you know some of them too. I want to get Tim Valentino, some others. Get them all great. for two hours each speaking to this topic. Um, yeah. Uh, and I want to look at some of Marisol Foles stuff on it because him coming from that region of the world and, and being exposed mm -hmm. to Muslim, he's written a great book on the Trinity. And I think the way he goes about explaining it could be very helpful. All that to say, yeah, I have I this crazy it, hope. I read it. I have this crazy hope of four to six hours that of training be that we can send to Vaso. Because Vaso has asked personally, he says, can you please get us training around this topic? I want to see it happen. Yeah, he asked repeatedly. And there are things like that. Um, that we need to work into our schools. I think even in Nepal would be another example. But exactly. When I taught systematics at our school years ago, I noticed that some of the best, those that had the Trinity and things like that, the clearest were came out of uh, liturgical churches where there was confession and yeah. uh, catechism. Mm -hmm. And some of the, what I would call low church, uh, my background in charismatics, uh, didn't really have that or didn't understand it. Yeah. We didn't major on those things, but there are pieces that need to be there oh, yeah. somewhere. Oh, no, and I oftentimes think that the churches that most handled the Trinity doctrine with incredible mm -hmm. care were in sections of the world where this was a very, I mean, Greek Orthodox Church, and then, right. of course the church trying to work yeah. in the Muslim world, and then this becomes a very big right. question in the way that we haven't had to wrestle with in the same in the West, yeah. in Western Protestantism. So kudos to those communities. like. The gospel's always speaking to the questions that are most dear to us, aren't they? Of, of the culture of the day, yeah. yeah. And you have an apologetics conference coming up. I don't know if this is a topic, but I talked to the one yeah. teacher on Sunday about the Trinity. We were That's discussing right. it. I don't know what your subject is. Well, I'll use, looking it for forward. A, I'll use it for a quick commercial then. Thank yeah, you, you for should. that perfect I, segment. I'd like to see everybody come. Yeah, you know, we're <laughs> in the middle of the take one step push here. We are huge believers that when you take one step, the Spirit just joins you in it. So there are so many offerings. If you were here last week, and you can also go online and check this out at our website, backslash take one step, you're going to see everything we're up to. One of the fun things is this apologetics conference in late September that Barry's alluding to. It's actually an outgrowth of the ministerium around Ephrata, where they wanted to discuss some apologetics, and they turned to Ephrata Community Church and said, would you be willing to host it? We're thrilled to put it together. We have uh, two keynote speakers, Dr. Mark Farnham from Lancaster Bible College, who's their, their apologetics professor, speaking on the opening night for the entire group on um, every believer confident. In other words, the role of apologetics in deepening your own faith, and not just uh, the evangelism aspects. But then we move into the evangelism aspects where Tim Valentino will be on beauty and the beauty of the actual structure of the Bible, how it's written. So the, the various, what's called the chaotic structures of the scriptures, which is a great teaching if you've not heard Tim. Yeah. I'm, believe it or not, going to be speaking on signs and wonders as apologetic. It's inspired by something Barry said on the podcast a couple months ago where we were joking about how he used to think that maybe relational evangelism or good works or witness was the way to see people come to the Lord. Then he realized, actually, the New Testament used signs and wonders a lot. A lot of people came to know the Lord. Actually, Most people came. Though. Exactly. So I've been studying for the last two months. Matter of fact, I don't think I've studied this hard in a while for one session just on signs and wonders as apologetic. And I think it's linked to this power evangelism stuff. And then we also have uh, so, uh, Mark Farnham is going to be speaking in a breakout on relationship to Eastern religions, Christianity, mm. the wow. influence and the effect happening there. And then last but not least, the one you alluded to, science and theism with Mark Lamantia who is uh, well-known in the area and at many universities for lecturing on this. 
and it'll be great. It's going to be a fun lineup. Check it out, the Apologetics Conference at our event page. Also, look at some of our other stuff, uh, the Institute for Christian Learning, as well as Thrive Discipleship, and some of our growth groups are just excellent. One I want to feature quick, and I'll be done in 20 seconds, is we have taken the Exploring the Prophetic Growth Group, and we have renamed it Biblical Foundations of the Prophetic because we believe there's some people sitting in our midst who deeply appreciate what God's doing in this community, but they're quietly behind the scenes wondering about some of the more um, prophetic gifts and some of the power giftings that you might see at work. And, and so we've decided, hey, what if we just take four weeks to just talk about the Biblical Foundations before That's we even good. explore it in activation, etc., which we will follow it up with that for those interested we're just like, hey, let's get back to some of the basic, core, biblically informed beliefs of what we believe about the prophetic and prophetic ministry. Some of you, if you know someone, I mean, you might be the choir listening to the podcast, right? Hmm. But all that to say, if you know someone who wants, who needs that step of the kind of biblical confidence to even explore the Spirit, let me say that again, ties back into what we talked about today. The biblical confidence in the exploration of the things of the Spirit, that four-week course called Biblical Foundations of the Prophetic might be it. I don't know. I'm pretty pumped. There's too many things for me to sign up for, but <laughs> yeah. it's good stuff. Barry, thanks for your time with us today. We deeply My appreciate pleasure. you. And you have a great week. Take care. Hey, thanks again for joining us today. We hope that you've been encouraged by listening. You can listen to previous episodes, find additional resources, and of course, learn more about us at effortofcommunitychurch.com. Effort